Welcome to the Mad Ones, and Happy New Year. I'm your boy eating a carnivore diet is freaking difficult. All I want right now is ice cream host, Cam Harless. <laughs> and with me, as always, is your favorite soup-mongering, whole-30ing, probably Mrs. Ice Cream as well, hostess, Miss Jessica. <laughs> I'm not actually a ice cream person. When I did keto, I realized that all the other desserts can fall off the face of the earth. Donuts are my Donuts thing. Donuts are good, but ice cream, it man. Oh man, no, I'm saying like I would dream about donuts. I would fall asleep and there would be dancing donuts like across my vision. It was there, I pretty have hardcore. To, this, this is a major point of disagreement. I don't know if we're going to make it through this because <laughs> chocolate oh, no. ice cream, like a good chocolate ice cream, you, you put a spoonful in your mouth and you let it melt. That's the best thing in the world. And you're wrong. I get it. And <laughs> okay. I, 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 I may, I don't know, I don't know if we can go on, but we should. I had, I had COVID, I don't have the energy to argue with you about it, <laughs> to be honest. Okay, fine. <laughs> All right, so we do have a guest today, but before we do that, uh, I'm going to tell you that this show is 100% brought to you by the fans and patrons. Hit like, subscribe, and join our Patreon, Patreon for the occasional early episode, Zoom hangout, and the eternal gratification Go to patreon.com slash themadones. Also, grab a shirt or a mug so you can rep us in real life at wearethemadones.com slash store. That's that's the quick and dirty. That's all I'm telling you before we introduce our guest. Because tonight we're joined by a woman battling against the effects of lust, pornography, and sexual addiction. The founder of Fight the Beast, who has kicked off of TikTok because they would prefer her to shill in OnlyFans rather than fight against digital sex work, Miss Heather Nielsen. Hello. I'm doing awesome. Glad to be here. Glad you're here as well. That was what was funny because I found you on TikTok, and then I, I I found your Instagram and I messaged you and I was like, this is this is interesting to me because usually when you see someone who's like talking about how pornography, masturbation, these things are not good for men, in particular, it's a dude, right? And usually a pastor. And so when I saw a, a all um compliments are on the house a cute girl <laughs> on tiktok talking about how bad these things were i was like oh that's that's interesting i would like to talk to her because it's mm -hmm. not what you normally see and so welcome to the show let's talk about porn awesome yeah my favorite topic <laughs> <laughs> so to start us off as I said, it is kind of a different situation to see a woman who is fighting against pornography. I mean, you see it in like the uh, third, second or third wave feminists, like the Angela Dworkins who hated it, but it's not typically from a place of this is unhealthy for men. It's that it's bad for women. And, you know, in the TikToks I've seen, some of the Instagram stuff, it, you were talking about both sides of how it hurts both men and women. And so my question is, how did you start getting into this space and start talking about this very divisive topic because people don't like their porn to be threatened in any way. See, am I okay? There yeah. you go. Delayed for a second. Okay. So yeah. So I essentially, my story started before I even really knew it started. Right. Um, I didn't really grow up with a supportive father. I grew up with a stepfather that wasn't, you know, super supportive in my life. And later on, I went and got married and divorced and married and divorced again, abusive relationships. I got disowned by my father. And so my kids, one day, a couple years ago, I'm looking around and I'm like, okay, 
my kids don't have grandfathers. They don't have fathers. Pornography is the leading cause for the problems in each of those relationships um, that they would have otherwise had. And I'm going, this is a problem, right? This is, yeah. here my kids are, I have three children and they don't have male roles in their lives and I'm struggling to date, but every guy I meet has an addiction problem. And I'm like, I don't necessarily want to bring that into my family again. Um, and it just woke me up and I started looking around and I'm going, okay, this is a problem. Um, I had been through it in marriage um, and I had gone through kind of the crisis of being a wife and how, how do we deal with this? How do we recover? Do you want to recover? Is there recovery? Is there forgiveness? And just a really messy world there. And then I started just reaching out to my friends from that point where I looked around, I'm like, okay, porn is a problem and it's everywhere. And I started being aware. I grew up as a Christian. So I was very naive about the status of this problem, how pervasive it really is. And I um, went on to find out 98% of men are regularly watching pornography. It's a cause of 70% of divorces. Um, it causes suicide. It leads to depression and um, other mental health problems. And so I started just reaching out to my friends, my guy friends. And I'd be like, hey, so how's the porn addiction going? And they'd be like, what? <laughs> like the audacity? <laughs> did you just assume? And I was like, yeah, I did. Because I know you do. Right? 98%, there's a good chance I'm going to get it right. And so I started just bringing it up this way. And, and I had some friends that opened up to me. And we started kind of, I became their accountability partner. Just shared my experiences as a wife and, and what I knew from some addiction recovery programs that I had gone to. And, um, and they were successful. And the guys one of them said, you know, I've been trying to quit for three years so that he could qualify for some religious things that he wanted to do. And mm -hmm. he was like, I am so grateful. You know, this is what I needed. I needed to talk to somebody about it. And he's like, I never talked to a woman about this before. Um, and that kind of connection really supported him. And from there, uh, I think the end of this month, early next month will be a year. So I've almost been doing this for a year now mm -hmm. um, from the time we started. And anyway, from I woke up basically one day and I said, you know what? I want to be the opposite of OnlyFans. That's what I want to do. That's my social cause. I'm a very passionate person. So I was like, I just want to find a way to be the exact opposite of mm -hmm. OnlyFans, a voice that's there saying no right? Yeah. We're going to stand a female voice saying we need to stand by morals. We can't be, yeah. can't be abusing men in this way. And men, you know, this isn't healthy for you. So I saw progress with friends. I launched the business and the TikTok and the social media pages, and it really took off and it's changed so many lives since then. I can kind of see that because it's, you know, a lot of, like I said before the show, or I think I may have said it just now, but my, my, I have an ADHD brain, so I may have forgotten what I've already said. But when you have guys saying it all the time, I do understand that having a girl that cares about you in a platonic way, mm -hmm. asking, how are you doing on this situation, that that's kind of a shock. That's like a, oh, maybe this is something I need to look into because this is not someone who's trying to get anything from me. This is not anyone who is holier than thou. This is a person that's coming and saying, hey, are you okay? And I, I understand it very personally because this has been my struggle since I was 
before I was 13 years old. But of course, you know, before I was 13 years old, that was before internet stuff had really taken hold. So, I mean, it was on the internet, but it was like Britney Spears pictures, you know, it wasn't like right. anything crazy, but there are seven-year-olds that are watching pornography mm -hmm. in our, in our world right now. And that is That's the average age of first, and it, my brain latched onto that age. That's funny. The it's the the age of first exposure to pornography. That's that's wild to me, because I think when I was a kid, it was probably around thirteen. But we're living in a different world, especially with OnlyFans, where any, I mean, I I am not I I'm I'm here to tell you that there are things that are unhealthy for you, and from a Christian worldview, I think that that's the best way to talk about these things, especially these very personal sin issues because a lot of people don't understand sin they think it's like this list of rules that you need to follow in order to get to heaven when in reality it's about either you're hurting god you're hurting yourself or you're hurting your neighbor and so this sin problem is a you're doing something unhealthy you are Absolutely. affecting your body you're affecting your mind you're affecting your relationships and so it, it it's hard to talk to the masses about this especially from a Christian worldview, because that can very, be very easily thrown to the side. Oh, you're just another prude. And, you know, the the argument, I, I, I imagine the number one argument you get online, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is about how masturbation is good for prostate cancer. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, okay, it's good to do, like, what's your number one argument online? What hits you the most? Yeah, I do get that one. And let me just, can I provide my... Yeah response on that. So there's actually a study. Um, it's a Harvard study and it's the biggest study about this topic. And it's the one that most people are referring to the crazy thing that blows my mind. And you can find this study. It's on, it's in my blog, um, where I have a doctor basically come through and explain exactly what the study means. And it is not what people think. Um, uh, the study actually shows that, um, for a pretty large age gap, um, it actually, so if, if masturbation is happening multiple times a week, that is unhealthy and increases your risk for prostate cancer. If you're falling somewhere in the like ejaculation two to three times a month or, or masturbation two to three times a month, it now reduces it. Mm -hmm. But the problem is nobody falls in that two to three times a month. This is a, this is a four to five times a week issue for the majority of people. So they miss that part of the study where they think that just because for a certain age group and for a certain amount of times a month, they're reducing their risk that that applies to everyone. The study also shows that young men under the age of 25 actually are increasing their risk for later on if they do it at all. And so there's these two huge parts of the study people are missing and just overgeneralizing. So that is one that I get a lot. Um, another argument people have is, is on the Christian issue. They just tend to shut it down really quickly because they're like, oh, you're a Christian and you're just pushing morals. And that's where I come back with that same thing. Well, actually, I don't have a Christian channel. I'm talking about, hey, this is affecting your mental health as a man. This is affecting the relationships that you have, your ability to connect. Um, it affects um, your focus and your um, testosterone cycle. I talk a lot about testosterone cycle. That's the biggest influence on recovery as well as um, just health in general for men. And so there's so many other things that are not just moral related. Yeah. Well, I, 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 
Go ahead, Jessica. I find the I find the the ninety eight percent statistic is like a shocking statistic. Is hear. it for um, me as a well, man? I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> because I knew guys who'd be like, I've never watched porn or masturbated, and I've been like, <laughs> liar. So I guess um, given that, I mean, that's if if you stack up drug addictions, if you stack up like gambling addictions, every other type of addiction you could have, they couldn't combined reach 98%. But when you have something like pornography, it's, it is a shock. But as Cam said, it's also believable. It's something yeah. um, I find that has been um, normalized in the culture, too. So a lot of people are saying, well, it's normal for everybody to do this. It's normal for everybody to look at pornography. Um, it's interesting to say hear you say that there are studies that are actually showing that doing this uh, masturbation is actually increasing the chance for certain kinds of cancers. Um, did they say in that study whether there was a difference between masturbation and sex? Because it seems like a man who has a married man who has a healthy sex life would be, you know, a couple of times a week ejaculating. Is there a difference between doing it manually and then doing it with your spouse in terms of like health? Yeah. So, um, I'm not a doctor, so sure, sure. Yeah. I'm not going to verify and yeah. say everything I say. But from what I know and from the studies I've read, um, there is not necessarily on the prostate cancer issue, which I think the majority of men are at risk for prostate. It's like the percentage is super high. It's fairly normal regardless. Um, right. But by some point, right, that's like one of the leading causes. If you haven't died of heart attack, or, you know, a car accident as an old man, that's kind of the way of um, passing. On. But right. um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that is a difference at risk is erectile dysfunction. Pornography mm -hmm. and masturbation, um, there's porn-induced erectile dysfunction. There's also a number of issues that can be caused by masturbation. It is a lot more aggressive. Um, it can accidentally be more aggressive and it can damage ligaments and things like that that eventually leads to erectile dysfunction issues right. later on. Not only that, but the pornography in and of itself causes a whole host of mental health issues that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, a loving connection with your spouse actually supports your immune health. It helps you be happier and less depressed, whereas we see with um, self-pleasure or pornography, it cause it leads to more depression more anxiety more um, okay. focus issues weight gain issues things like that so the health effects mentally are very different are they able to um determine sort of what the mechanisms for this type of addiction are because again my mind goes right to that 98 percent statistic even if we even if we said it was only you know 90 percent wasn't even all that it was 90 percent or lower it's still you're stacking um this against any other type of addiction, it's monstrous. Yeah. And um, so we know sort of what some of the mechanisms for substance addiction are. Do they have any kind of idea for the brain what causes 98% of the male population to succumb to an addictive factor with this kind of material? Yeah, so a lot of it is exposure. Um, just with the internet age, you know, people, I guess if you are, if you're under 35 now, you've grown up with the internet completely, right? Um, it's always been around. And so exposure, it doesn't take very much to get, um, 
to get addicted, especially as a young man. Problem is what happens for most men is they, they got addicted during puberty. It started off with a boob tech, you know, Google search, (laughs) right? (laughs) Britney Spears. It started with something pretty, um, benign and it just, it grows and then develops. Um, but with young men, and this is why I advocate for children and, and parents to take this seriously, please take this seriously because when a young man is going through puberty and he has those raging hormones, he can very easily, this becomes an emotional crutch. It becomes an emotional attachment. It's always Mm -hmm. there. It's very addictive. Um, those hormones don't go away for a man at that point. They're always going to be there until he learns to control them. But that process of reverting and learning that control is is incredibly not only mentally difficult, but it's also physically difficult. Any guy who yeah. knows who's tried to quit, it can be very, very physically difficult on a man too. And yeah. so it's just so hard once once you get into that. Um, can I, would I say, say as a man yeah. – uh, and having dealt with this, there's a, there's a first, let me go back just a second because to the question of sex with your wife. Um, I find it. One thing I thought of while you were speaking was the fact, I don't know if you know this about breastfeeding, but when a, um, a baby is sick and she, she breastfeeds on her mother, her, her body, her saliva will actually communicate to the mother what kind of antibodies and what kind of protection she needs. And so in that, in that breastfeeding situation, the bodies anticipate each other's needs and and alleviate them. So I would, I can understand that as in a loving, stable relationship, when you're having a sexual connection with your wife, your bodies are, and your hormones are balanced more so than when you're by yourself in a room. I will say, Mm -hmm. I think that Mm -hmm. that makes sense Mm -hmm. to me. Um, as a man who has dealt with this, I will say, um, when you're talking about addiction, like substance addiction, Jessica, you know, that marijuana isn't physically addictive. However, Mm -hmm. it is addictive if be it Mm -hmm. emotionally, mentally, whatever, because when you're doing these things, it releases that dopamine. It releases those pleasure hormones in your brain and you become addicted to those. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. as a man, one of the things that I noticed is it's a lot easier to go to sleep if you've had that release. It's a lot easier. It, it calms you down. It gives you this feeling of euphoria that lets you, I mean, it's it's tempting because it's, it's good like that. It's like, oh, I'm stressed mm-hmm. out. Let me do this dopamine release. I'm in a better place. Mm-hmm. But you're not really because you're making yourself dependent on yourself, which I think is a dangerous right. thing to do. No There's also what. like a, a pain avoidance aspect too. Yeah. So like if That's, things are bothering you, you're not dealing with the things, you're just smashing that button, so to speak. Yeah. Right. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention as well is I've known several guys, uh, one in particular who I'm not in contact with anymore, so he's not going to hear this. Um, but he had so regularly used porn and masturbated in a specific way. And one of the things I've noticed that I I looked at a study years ago because I was studying something else, but there is something to the way the brain um, cuts these paths when it comes to uh, pleasure and sexual fulfillment. And so what had happened with this particular person was he had a very, this is 
this is a PG-13 R-rated episode. I'm just, just so you know, we're talking about real we're stuff. We're going to do our best. <laughs> um, it's okay. The- Kids today know more about sex than I did when I was 18. So sad <laughs> <laughs> to say. Yeah. But his grip strength, when he did, did it to himself, he got so used to that so that when he was with a woman, the grip mm-hmm. wasn't enough. And he was unable to perform to completion Mm -hmm. because of that one factor. It wasn't, and and women are wonderful creatures. Their package is wonderful, but it wasn't the grip that he needed and he couldn't do it. And so I think that that's this, I think that this particular part of the conversation can go through all sorts of other issues that we can talk about. But I do think that that's part of it is while you're doing this, you are training your brain on the path to pleasure. And one of the things I've known with a couple of guys, I mentioned it in one of your lives one time, Heather, and you were like, I've never heard this before, but I knew three or four guys who had done that fear jerking off so quickly that they would come within, I I shouldn't say that word, they would finish within like a minute. Like they would be able to just crank it out as quickly as possible. And so when they got into relationships, they could not pull back that quickness. It was always Mm -hmm, quick mm -hmm. and it was premature. And so there, I think that there are these mental pathways within your brain and the brain elasticity that leads to these patterns that are hard to break. And I think once you start to try to give it up, like Heather's trying to help people through, like this is a very physical thing. You wouldn't think it is, but it's a very physical thing. And we typically write off that physical, we, we write it off as not a physical addiction because it's the brain. And I mm. think that that's part of the issue is the way we categorize brain and mental health issues is separate from body issues. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's in the same vein. Do you agree, Heather, or am I off base? Yeah, no, the two, the two in, with this, this particular addiction is very, very intertwined. One of my favorite quotes is that you're never addicted to a substance. You're addicted to the mood change that be, that you get from that yeah. substance. And I think that applies generally. The problem with sexual with sexual issues is that um, it goes so much deeper. It affects us so much deeper, and not only that complicates it in a lot of ways. One of them is that it makes it more uncomfortable for people to talk about. They yeah. have um, there's this it's it's a taboo subject. Why? Because not because everyone's not doing it. It's a taboo subject because it's too emotional. We don't want judgment in that area of our lives. We don't want to be vulnerable, generally speaking, with other people. And so it creates um, it just it is something more emotional, right? It leads to this issue. Um, it leads to divorces and breakups and just everyone has this history with it. Um, and so when it comes to the addiction itself, it is an emotional I, I tell people in recovery that for a lot of people, it's it's one of the most painful breakups they'll ever go through because it's this thing that they've been carrying for 20 years to cope with yeah. emotionally, and now they're having to separate from that, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a it's a fairly hard thing to do. Um, so while we are talking about the normalization in the culture of pornography, I am I'm seeing a pendulum swing happening where people are starting to recognize this is a problem. They're recognizing it within themselves, within their own marriages. And they are like accounts like yours are cropping up saying, hey, we actually need to do something about this. So when a person decides that they're ready to get help for this, what are some of the first steps that you're like, 
guiding them toward or getting them to look at some of the things because it is um if it follows the path of addiction that i'm used to you have to personally decide for yourself that you're going to handle this problem and so what are some of the step ladders that you're recommending to people when they're ready to like reach out yeah so the first one you touched on is Recognize that it's a problem in your own life. Watch the areas that it's affecting. I encourage people to really buckle down and find a solid reason that matters to them. The next thing is to start to get educated on the recovery process. So I've got books and courses that I'm releasing and have released, and, and there's a lot of other resources out there as well that will help people understand for this specific addiction, how to quit, what the process is going to look like. The next thing is to have an accountability partner. Now, this mm -hmm. is very hard because it's not like AA, you don't really need to be anonymous. It's not gonna be the end of the world. Most people know that you drink too much, you know? But when <laughs> it comes to these personal issues, it's really scary to find an accountability partner to reach out. You don't necessarily wanna tell your guy friends because what if they feel judged? that, you know, now you're saying that it's wrong or you're definitely not going to tell your wife if she doesn't already know because that could blow up. Um, and so that's really hard. So that's one of the really cool things that um, we've provided with Fight the Beast. We have a massive uh, support group um, on Discord that is doing really well. And that's a space where guys can come in. They can say, hey, I'm struggling with urges today. Help me out. Or what do you do with dreams? Or how do you handle um, how do you handle um, obsessive thought and, and people will come in here and will comment and and provide the tools and that kind of accountability is huge some guys are able to find a brother or a friend or even a church pastor um, girlfriend and wife is kind of hit or miss just depends on your history with this um, and then I do that coaching as well and there's there's other coaches out there even therapists yeah. can provide a good can I speak so the, on the women thing real quick? Because I had there's something to say on it too, but you go first. <laughs> um, one of the things I was going to say is um, you were on TikTok. You're not anymore. I'd like to talk about that situation later on. Um, but one, there was this video going around. I don't know if you saw it. And it was this video of a girl asking, who do you go to when you're down or when you're at your lowest? And like 87%, I'm making up that percentage, but it was a big percentage of the guys who answered were like, no one. Mm. I don't go to anyone. I go to my, you know, and and so it was kind of sad to see that. And it's like, but I understood it. And I, I forget her name. There's this one girl on TikTok who slides in to frame very cleanly. Um, but she was talking about one of the things that came up was that a lot of guys when it comes to women and girlfriends, wives, is that there was some point within the relationship that they told they were vulnerable with their wife. And then in a later argument, this vulnerability was brought up and attacked. Mm -hmm. And so from that point on, they no longer trusted women when it came to this situation. And so it's very hard. I, I would say within the world of a man who's you know, struggled with this since I, like I said, since I was like 12 or 13, finding an accountability partner, one that cares enough to actually ask and to follow you, like follow up with you, you follow up with them. That's very difficult to find. Um, and two is one time I went on the NoFap server on Reddit 
-hmm. And like, I, I paired up with a guy to talk about it and he was like, Hey man, I really need your help. Uh, could, because I'm going to tell you when I'm, when I'm struggling about buying a hooker. And I was like, that's not the thing I'm dealing with. And holy hell. Wow. And so like finding the partner that actually matches, like that's mm -hmm. just, like, that's a harder thing for someone who's struggling with just mm -hmm. like looking at their phone, uh, to be accountable for like, Hey, don't go to the horse. <laughs> stop. <laughs> what were you going to say, Jessica, about the women thing? So I think that um, for wives and girlfriends, this can be a really confusing thing about how to handle it. And hurt, Yeah, it is hurtful and um, confusing. And I know that there are probably a lot of women who do want to be a help and not a hindrance, even though we might not understand what's going on or why it's happening. Do you have advice for women? if their men are struggling with this, what are some of the things that wives and girlfriends can be aware of or try to help with or, you know, just to be there for? Yeah. So I actually recently published a pretty comprehensive blog post for women, kind of a guide for women. Um, mm -hmm. Any women listening or men who know their wives are struggling might want to check that out um, on our website. But to give you a couple of the key points here, the first one is women need to understand that it's not them. Now, that is really hard to say. Um, as a wife, I definitely thought it was my fault. I had a lot of people that told me, oh, well, if your husband watches porn, you're not putting out enough. I actually was told this by a father, right. which is pretty devastating, right? Um, and even my, even my husband at the time would be like, you know, I turned to that because we're fighting or because I don't feel loved by you. Yeah, it was never me. It's never any woman. If the guy was doing it for 10 years before he met you, it's not you, right? If, if this has been going on for so long. So that's the biggest thing um, is to emotionally disconnect from that. Understand it has nothing to do with you. Our princess happily ever after ideas just don't exist in today's world. We have to get over that. Um, the next thing is to, to understand that's a process. And one of the things that I would share with a woman is if she's with a man who has recognized it's a problem and wants to quit. Now there's a lot of husbands that won't recognize it's a problem who don't want to quit, who will argue till the grave that is totally fine and normal and acceptable. But for the women who are with men who recognize it's a problem, respect them. Just, I have so much respect. The longer I've done this and the more men that I've met and worked with, the more I respect the guy who wants to quit um because of how rare that is because of how what that says about his character his his humility his willingness to work on himself um and right. develop develop a supportive relationship of mutual respect um and i think as as a woman you know work through we we have to work through our own emotions and i i tell women use it as an opportunity to work on your own self-esteem if your mm -hmm. self-esteem is crushed by your husband right now that's something that you need to work on and right. as women, we can get to the point where we're not, not hurt by that. Well, right. that's something that I've definitely heard, for, you know, in, in general is, you know, women will find out or wives will find out that their husbands are looking at pornography and they go, oh, they don't think I'm that pretty. They think that these women are better than me. They think, and I'm like, no, you're real. There's nothing better than real, but we've tricked ourselves into thinking that these things that aren't real are. And it's it's kind of a, a horrifying reality. Um, mm -hmm. But let me ask you, um, 
I know you deal a lot with the men side of things. It seems within at least the last, you know, the term of millennials having the internet that it has been a problem that's been more expanded into the female aspect. Right. Do in in with Fight the Beast, do you have programs for women? Do you work with women who have similar issues or is it just primarily just men at this point? Yep. So I've worked with a few women, um, but that's just not our focus. I tend, you know, messaging, messaging that applies really well to men just doesn't work the same for women. Um, 60% of women report that they're struggling with this right now. So not, it's less, but it's not, it's more than people would expect, but it's less. It's yeah. Um, And so, and those numbers, those numbers actually, so the last female number that I have was pre-COVID. And we know that with men, we saw a spike in like 15 to 20%. And so we could assume probably the same with. Look at the jump in OnlyFans over the past two years. Right, right. Like that's, that's exploded. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and that's the other that's the other problem so, that we see here is not just not just women who are maybe watching or struggling with addiction, but actually women that are fueling the entire industry. Right. There's also this sort of element um, that the we're talking about kids as young as seven or thirteen who their first exposure to pornography is around that age, and then now it's so much more prolific than it was even. 10 or 15 years ago. And then the range of um, pornography that goes outside of like what people would consider even normal sexual behavior, like abnormal levels of porn and the content of that porn is getting crazier and crazier. And so then we have younger and younger brains exposed to, you know, just material that reaches way outside the sexual norm. And so that's got to be affecting how young people develop their ideas about what sex with women is going to be like, because at seven or, you know, 13, you're not even able to have a normal sexual relationship with someone your age, whoever your partner is going to be later in life. So all you have to um, gauge sexual interactions by is what you're seeing through your smartphone. Which is fiction. Which is fiction. Right. Right. So much of it is fiction that it's insane. And it makes me wonder, like, um, if the prevalence of, you know, you know, just like criminal behavior when it comes to sex, the abuse of women when it comes to sex will be increased by the types of material that younger and younger people are being exposed to. Yeah. And I do want to mention the law of diminishing returns. Typically, when I've talked about that on this show, it's been in relation to, um, to put it kindly, the pedophile elite. You know, you look at the Franklin mm-hmm. cover up, you look at Epstein Island, you have these people who that's typically how I talk about it. But the general concept is you start with one thing and it might be stale. It might be pictures, like I said, of Britney Spears, or it could be it, typing boobs into Google. But over time, what seems to happen, I'm not a scientist. So, you know, Google it if you don't believe me. Um, But it seems that as time progresses when it comes to this particular addiction is there tends to be a step up. You get to the point where you liked pictures of Britney Spears. Now you really want to Google and see some straight boobs. Then you want to Google and see what she can do with those and on and on like it goes on. And so right now it's 
wild. I don't mm -hmm. Google it, but but I know the amount of things, the types, the <clears throat> aberrations in human sexuality, and past that, let me be as I'm being vague here, it goes beyond that, that's widely and easily available on the internet. I don't want to see what comes after that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what are like, um, you know, we talked about like wives and girlfriends, but like, what about parents? What about moms and dads? Like, cause this is, if this problem is hitting kids who are as young as seven or 13, what are maybe some behaviors that can be, cause you know, you're not going to tell your parents that you're doing this. It's something you do in secret behind closed doors. I'll what are parents? You. What? I'll catch you. They'll catch that's, you. That's, that's how it works. Catch I don't you. have kids. So yeah. And there there but, were, like, there were. As a kid, that's one one, and we'll we'll I'll defer to her after this. But I'll just say, you will get caught because you're dumb. You're a kid. You're dumb. You don't know how to erase the history. You don't know how to erase the cookies. You don't know what you're doing. You'll get caught if your parents right. are remotely caring. And at that point, I will say before she gets into it that between me and a friend of mine when we were kids, there was a level of respect and love and hey, let me help you out that my parents gave me that my friend didn't get because he was automatically grounded for weeks and punished rather than heard. And so let me just start out by saying, with parents, hear your children. Hear them. Listen to them. Do not punish them immediately yeah. because they're yeah. going through something. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. I'm sorry. What do you what think about you parents? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me first run through a couple statistics that I think people should know. The first one is that under the age of 10 now accounts for 22% of the porn consumption for all minors. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. shocking. Yep. So they are rivaling middle school and high school, neck and neck. Um, so under the age of 10 is 22% of the porn consumption for minors. 90% um, of teens today are accepting or encouraging of pornography. Um, and 51% of male students, 32% of female students first viewed pornography before their teen years. Yeah. So with that being said, um, the question to start off, you know, what maybe signs or things can you look for? You know, you're, assume your child is doing it a hundred percent. There's no reason okay. not to. The statistics are way above 50% and there's absolutely no reason to not assume that your child, <laughs> I mean, right. your child is like, you're, you're, you're more likely to be right if you just assume. Um, so there's a couple others. Uh, yeah. Just the st statistics. 79% um, of unwanted child exposure to pornography happens in the home too. So this is, you know, it's happening. It's happening all over. I think any adult who's on TikTok knows that that stuff is, I mean, there's, it's extremely vulgar. Um, and kids, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, anything that you watch, anything you accidentally see, your child can accidentally see unless you have insane filters and you check their history constantly. If you're scrolling through TikTok and you're seeing stuff, so is your child. And there's so much sexual content on there. So really important to know. Now, let's go back to what do you do? So what do you do with this information? You, How do you talk to your kid? How do you, what do you do if you find it? Treat them the way you'd want to be treated. 
you know, think yeah. about how would you want to be treated if your partner or your boss caught you looking at porn, right? Do you want them to explode and fire you and walk out? No. What needs to happen is parents need to open a conversation. We need fathers who are willing to be vulnerable and say, hey, man, look, I was 13 when I saw this stuff and it ruined years of my life. I want to help you get out of this. We need parent mothers who say, hey, you know, this is this is the world we live in, but I want you to be better. I want to help you. I love you. I support you. Um, I've worked with one teen boy for a while now. He finally reached 30 days. I'm so proud of him. I mean, it took us six months for him to get 30 days clean. Um, he also quit alcohol, made it to seven months of sobriety. And with both addictions, his parents were completely unwilling to be involved and be supportive. And here I am, some random woman from the internet, and I'm the only support that he has. Um, okay. I've talked to young adult men as well in their early 20s that the same story. They're like, I'm trying to quit. I reached out to my parents and they called me crazy for trying to quit. They said that I was just being wow. a baby about it and, and were very verbally abusive. And I've had this with multiple um, young adult men. Do you and think that, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but do you think oh. that it's because the parents themselves are using the material and that's why they're not prepared to help the kids or they just don't want to acknowledge mm -hmm. that it's a problem? Most likely, uh, most likely it's a, it's a parent's feeling uncomfortable and not willing mm -hmm. to help. And in that case, I would say, look, even if you have the addiction, use it as a bonding opportunity to help both of you out of it, or at least right. support your child. If your right. child knows, because these teenage boys that I work with um, in our support group, it's hurting them. They're crying in their bedroom about this stuff, right? Yeah. Um, another thing parents need to be aware of that this is a huge driver between behind the crisis that we're seeing of sexuality and gender crisis, right? Oh, I, I don't an identity crisis. I don't care where you how you feel about homosexuality. It doesn't matter or how you feel about genders or how many genders you want to believe there is for anyone listening. I'm not judging what your beliefs are. What <laughs> I am saying is the number of children in crisis and willing to commit suicide over their confusion is a problem yeah that we are having children who are confused and hurt and depressed because of the trauma that they have experienced because of watching pornography when you're seven mm -hmm. years old and you watch a man rape a woman that's gonna do something to the way that you view your gender and who you are become it affects where the other Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think should be mentioned, especially within this conversation <clears throat> about parents dealing with children who are dealing with this issue, is there needs to be a line, a clear line drawn between guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. Because when you do these things, it is unhealthy and there's this natural feeling of guilt. Or mm -hmm. if you use the internet, they call it post-nut clarity. Shouldn't have done that. That right. wasn't that wasn't good. And you feel that, and that is guilt. Guilt is a natural response. That is a thing. However, blame it on the church, blame it on the Victorians. We have shuffled sexual issues, sexuality, and sexual unhealthiness into the closet of shame. Yeah. And so when your child comes to you and says, hey, I did this thing, 
I want to get out of it. I feel bad about it. You don't say that's because you are bad. That's mm-hmm. because you, you are evil. That's because you are, it's you messed up. I love you. Let's solve this issue mm-hmm. because anything else is going to drive them into shame, which is going to drive them into porn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that's like a by, yeah, it's a, it's a self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. You tell them they're bad. They're going to believe it. They're going to keep going. So I just want to put mm-hmm. that out there. Hopefully I do. My, my parents did a, an all right job, but I want to do even better. And so this is, mm-hmm. these are things I've thought about. I've sat and gone when my boys and there are three of them get to that age, how am I going to respond? And that's mm-hmm. what's played in my head. Um, mm-hmm. One of the questions, because you, re- you said, you know, you, you see a man rape a woman. And I think that if you go on any of the mainstream porn sites, Pornhub, RedTube, whatever they are, I think there's one with hamster in the title, but I've never gone to that one. Um, but you see a lot of sexual acts and a lot of them purposefully do not look consensual. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you look at the stats and the figures and you look at, there's a, there was one guy, I can't remember his name, who got called out for like ignoring the women on set and doing things they said they didn't want to, which equates to rape. Mm-hmm. That's rape. If, some, if a girl says, hey, don't do this to me, and you do it, that's sexual assault. Um, but I have this feeling, and it's I, I, when we talked to Chris Baker a couple of months ago about sex trafficking, porn was one of the things that was mentioned. And so I was wondering if you happen to know any of the statistics, because, I mean, I can't imagine there's not a connection between porn and sex trafficking. Because, I mean, if you look at the darker sides of the Internet, there is child pornography out there, mm-hmm. and that is sex trafficking. So do you th- how much of mainstream porn do you think lends itself to that underworld? So I definitely don't have any statistics. I assume it is quite a bit um, as far as what is consensual, what's not. A lot of women from the porn industry have come out and said, hey, you know, yes, I signed contracts saying I would participate, but I was constantly disregarded. I was constantly pressured into things that I wasn't okay with. So even if it's Uh, even if they're actors, a lot of this tends to be less consensual than it should be. Um, Specifically, I know at least over 40 um, lawsuits have been filed against Pornhub for victims of sex trafficking whose stuff was put out recently. um, A 15-year-old girl was found, a couple missing children and teenagers, a 14-year-old California girl um, was found on Pornhub in 58 different sex videos. A 15-year-old child who was kidnapped was then found in 58 sex videos on Pornhub. Not only was she not 18, but it was not consensual. She was kidnapped and her mother found her on Pornhub. So this does happen a lot more than people think. This is just one example. There's another 40 cases of people who... Um, had been sexually assaulted and their stuff was put on Pornhub. Pornhub refused to take those down. Uh, but it's a it's a multi-billion dollar industry. This is an industry that, um, I hate to say it, but nobody cares. Nobody's nobody's willing to have so much money that 40 lawsuits can't even touch them. I think that there were a lot of people, 
I remember when that Pornhub scandal broke and I think there were a lot of people who thought I didn't realize and it was a wake up call for them that, you know, the things that I'm looking at aren't as much um, pantomime or pretend as I thought that they were. And um, I know people personally that that event changed their porn consumption. I mean, it might not have been a dent in the grand scheme, but, you know, you got to admit, imagine if it's someone that you, at least one person you know, then that's, you know, uh, iterates across the population. And so I think that the more awareness we can bring to the fact that this kind of like sex trafficking masquerading as consensual porn is going on, that it will change hearts and minds because people, you know, think that they're consuming something that comes from consenting adults and it's not. And once they realize a lot of times, I don't know if a lot of times is right, but sometimes they'll step back from it. So you, yeah. Do you I happen to I, remember the no, uh, what's it called? Girls do porn scandal situation from a couple of years ago. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So there was this this porn producer that called Girls Do Porn, okay. and what they did was you'd, you'd have these random women in a um, in a hotel room, and you'd see them do these different, you know, have sex with this dude, and they you'd see it on Pornhub, right? <laughs> and so what they didn't tell you was that when they were shooting these particular scenes they had told the women that it was for a private collector and only he would see it ever. And then once they shot it, they put it wide and everyone saw it. There was one particular Mm -hmm. girl that I saw that um, there was a picture of her with her boyfriend or husband going off to um, uh, the boot camp for the military. And then in the same outfit, she was in one of these videos and she was one of the people that was in the lawsuit because it's like, hey, I shouldn't have done this. This is wrong, but I didn't think it'd be seen everywhere. And if you, there's another one, I, th- I remember hearing about it was a it was a girl who used to be a porn star. She was talking about how she did Bang Bus, I think is what it was called. And like they, what they'll do is they'll rope these women into this van and they'll offer them money to do stuff. And one of the things she said was, you don't realize how hard it is to say no once you're in that situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You'll say in the beginning, I won't do this, I won't do that. But as it goes on, the ability to say no goes down a lot. And so Mm -hmm. like, I feel like there's a a lot of that blurred line area where it's like women who wouldn't have done, who made a bad decision and wouldn't have done this if they'd known it was white or wouldn't have done these things had they not been lied to are now everyone in the world can see it. Mm-hmm. if they want to look for it. Mm-hmm. It's horrifying. Yeah, and the internet, as they say, the internet is forever. And so if you do something, there's a video of you. Um, I'm trying to think of her name. She's a porn actress, a relatively famous one. There's a bunch of memes of, of her doing porn. Um, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but um, she's a, a, a porn actress who wins awards and is like very consensual in what she's doing. She says that she enjoys what she's doing. And then she says, but I've lost my family. I have yeah. uh, my, my parents won't meet me in public. All of these things. Gosh, I wish I could remember her name off the top of my head. I was watching some was of it, her YouTube videos. Was it? So there are a couple of girls that I know that uh, does she still do porn or she used to do porn? She still does porn. Was um, her name and Riley? God, she's yes. 
Okay. You got it. Riley on Reed. the nose. I, yeah, I so should she, know this. Mom, I'm sorry. I've had a past. She's like a huge, she's a huge porn actress, like not in size, but like in terms of the prolificness of her material. Her it was large. Right. <laughs> 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 um, but but you know, so she's doing this ask um ask me anything YouTube video. She's wearing her clothes during this video <laughs> as I'm watching it. And she's talking about, you know, yes, I enjoy what I do. Um, I don't regret it, she says, but I've lost my family. I've lost, you know, my parents won't meet me in public anymore. I have friends who won't speak to me, you know, and so they're even when you're like willing to do that kind of thing, you're losing things that you weren't counting on losing. And so when something like that happens to you and you didn't think you had no idea that it was going to go out wide into the entire world, the effect that can have on your life is damaging beyond words. It's just it takes a part of your identity away from you. It takes a very private part of you and, and gives it to people that it doesn't belong to. And so it's just something I would urge all, all young people when they're on the Internet to remember that their activity is there forever. Like yep. de delete does not mean delete. You know, the internet is an ink. So it's just something to remember when, you know, people are offering you money to do things. You really got to think about why they're paying you. Like, really think about that. There was one girl that I worked with at Starbucks years ago who really liked tattoos. And there's a, like, a, a photo porn site that's about, it's like alt alternative girls. It's called Suicide Girls. Mm -hmm. And she came to me and she was like, hey, the Suicide Girls people came to me and want me to take pictures for them. And they'll pay for any tattoo that I want. Do you think I should do it? And I looked at her and I said, do you plan to have children someday? And she said, yes. And I was like, do you want your teenage boy to one day find your photos and see you naked online. Right. And right. she goes, why didn't I think of that? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm here. <laughs> the Lord sent me. I'm here to tell you don't do it. <laughs> or your father or whoever else out there that's a man. Because if it's 98% of men, you're talking about, you know, do you want Pop Pop to see your naked pictures? And if not, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> you know? So, I, I got to tell you guys a story on that. So well, another yeah. one of the reasons why I think I started this, it was a perfect storm of just exposure to sexuality that I didn't want or ask right. for. We moved into this new apartment and it was an old house. It was really beautiful. It was four stories. We had three of them and there was one below us. And it was just a little old 76 year old man who lived in this one small apartment below us. And he was so sweet and he would give my kids candy and peanuts and all kinds of treats every day when they got, you know, were outside playing and he would help with stuff and I would help him. And he was just, didn't have any teeth, old, old man. He had a hard life old man, couldn't hear very well. Well, I'm sitting in my bedroom one evening right above his apartment and I hear apple bottom jeans come on and I'm like, that's a weird sound. And it was the intro to a video that went on for 30 minutes. And I could hear every breath. And I wanted to go down there and choke all of them. <laughs> like, yeah. Let me tell you, it was a very long video. And it was very just obnoxious. And I could just hear everything. And this was probably about two weeks after I moved in or a week after I moved in. I was like, okay. 
Alrighty. And it kept kept happening for months. And it would be so loud sometimes because I swear he'd take out his hearing aids and go to bed and then listen to the stuff. You could hear it across the street. And no one had the heart to go knock on this dude's door and tell him that he was listening to this stuff and the whole neighborhood could hear it. And it was so sad. And it just, it was one of those things I was like, wow. You know, so when you said pop, pop, I was like, he's watching. (laughs) He is. Yeah. You know, um, something that um, a member of the clergy of my church had told me is that you would be surprised how many people are dealing with sexual problems, sexual addiction in terms of this. He says, he, he's, he didn't tell me anybody specific, but it was like there are 76-year-old women who are having problems with this. So it's not necessarily a respecter of gender or a respecter of age. Every or human religion. or religion, everybody. right, right. It's everybody can be dealing with this. And so I think the point you made about like respecting each other is really important Mm -hmm. because one thing that could make it really hard for someone to reach out for help is the amount of shame that's all tied into this that, you know, um, no one had the heart to go confront Pop Pop about the fact that everybody could on the block could hear what he was listening to because there's so much shame. and every other aspect of his well, life. I didn't want to embarrass a- him either. Could you right, imagine you that conversation? Want- <laughs> right. Right. I and think I did probably- tell him one day, I was like, you know, I can hear your TV sometimes. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> I can hear it. it. Made the connection. <laughs> yeah, it just, you know, that's so hard because in every other aspect of his life, it seems like he was a really nice man. Like, you know, he's given snacks and he's helping you move things and all that stuff. So it, it doesn't, it doesn't make you a bad person. It, you're not, you know, um, unless you've, you know, crossed some kind of line, not you're, irredeemable. Not, you're not irredeemable. Right. And there, you know, so I think that the points about respect and being able to like, um, talk to each other without, uh, pun- not, not being punitive or punishing, especially when dealing with the, the members of our own family is just so, so important, you know, like, um, I think that also like it's hard for people who want to excuse it because they're using the material and so they need to normalize it. And I think so many other people around you are telling you it's normal, it's normal, it's normal because they're dealing with addictions of their own and they're not anywhere near ready to confront it where you are. So, um, you know, that's that's a really tough road to hoe. And I, I, I really respected what you said about um, people who are willing to quit you're, you're doing something monumental by admitting you have a problem. The entire culture right now is stacked against you as far as, you know, even your willingness to admit something is wrong here. There's something about this material that's not correct. It's not right. And it's not just about pushing morals. Like it's why are morals morals? Because doing the opposite of them is detrimental to you in some way, to your body, to your family, to the society around you. So, you know, yeah, okay, so it's not moral to do this, but why? Why is it not moral? And the reason is that it can hurt you and it can hurt the people around you. And so, like, there were so many points that were made here today that just kind of, I don't know, made me recognize that, like, I have um, judgment factors in my brain about it that I could work on and say, you know what, people are dealing with an addiction. Because if someone was coming off of drugs... I wouldn't have the same attitude toward them as somebody who was coming off of porn. And I'd like to change that attitude because clearly, you know, I'm, I have so much respect for someone who quits drinking and I'd like to 
adjust my mentality so that I have that same level of respect for somebody who's trying to get themselves off of pornography. And so that's something that I'm going to work on. Yeah. I had a friend that recently, um, I just like the way he said, he was like, you know, if, if you, if someone says I haven't had a drink in three months, you're like, yeah, awesome. And you're like, it's been three months since I watched porn. You're like, but the cool thing is, and I'll tell you this, the more, I mean, I've had, I don't, I don't even know how many hundreds, thousands of people I've been working with and, and talked to just this in this last year about this topic. And I just have so much respect for people who are quitting and who are <laughs> vulnerable about that because um, we we're launching a new campaign right now called the 2% club, because if 98% of men are doing this, who are the 2% and how do you become one of those 2%? And it's so respectable. Yeah. Um, you have one thing I will say about the marketing for that. You have two options that could be really cool. One is in the um, biker world. They, the uh, American Motorcyclist Association mm-hmm. at one point said that all, most motorcyclists are good. Only 1% of bikers are outlaws. And so mm-hmm. then the outlaw motorcycle clubs decided to call themselves one percenters. Is that what that means? I yes, see that everywhere. They call themselves the bad guys. Two is there's the saying that in the American Revolution, only 3% of the people mobilized in order to, at the beginning, to fight against England. And so 3%, and that's where 3 percenters come from. I would veer towards bikers, but if you call them 1% or 2 percenters, that's badass you have that's a marketing stuff i'm just gonna tell you right now that would resonate with me like patches that you could sew on we're actually we're looking at a campaign that would possibly so we're gonna have anyone can join the two percent club it just means that you are in recovery you're trying to be in the two percent but in order to actually get the awards of the two percent club you would actually have to pass um some pretty elite polygraph tests and we think it's going to be awesome I'm telling uh, you, okay. if if you tie it into one percenters, yeah. that is one so percenters. cool. Okay, uh, think, th- think think about it because that's a that's a cool narrative. We're we're um, gonna be launching this this week, and so it's gonna um, it's gonna come with our thirty day challenge and our resources. We have a lot of free resources for getting people to that thirty days. So, right. do you do anything like um, AA or NA does, where you get a chip? Like, so at thirty days, you'll get a chip that says I'm thirty days clean, and then there's one for sixty, one for ninety, and then up to a year. I think. And then there's, after that, it's five years. Is there anything like that, Mm -hmm. that you guys do? Yeah. So in our discord, um, so far right now, it's just kind of graphics and badges within the discord, but you do, you do. Yeah. yeah, When you, you get to post the 30 day sticker when you reach 30 days and and we've got sayings that go with each of them. When you get to the um, six months is where you get to claim being a two percenter. um, Because I'm telling you, that's what the statistic is. And so, um, yeah, it, it's good fun there. And we're working on, um, there will, for the 2% club, there will be a whole new line of really fun gear, which I'm so excited about. I think yeah. I want this to be an inspiring thing. The fight the beast movement is way more than just me at this point. There are so many people who are contributing their time and their resources to growing it. And it's just so cool because it's about being your best self being your best masculine, being your best um, father and husband, because when you are that 2% that's not watching pornography, they're the ones that are keeping their families together. 
they're achieving goals in their careers and they feel better and they're healthier and they're happier. And just that is just such a beautiful thing to me that we mm -hmm. want we want to help everyone get there. That's what we want for our community, our society and our country. One of the things, you know, you said you've had some uh, a political background on this podcast. It blows my mind. China, India and Russia all have bans against pornography. And when I look at those countries, I'm like, dang, <laughs> they are keeping their families together. They have cleaner media. They have bans on content. Iran bans anything over PG-13, mm -hmm. anything mm -hmm. and everything. And to me, I'm just, I, I have a little bit of uh, envy, I guess. Um, <laughs> that I think especially with Russian culture, um, they get in a lot of trouble with the U.S., um, because they do have that really strong family um, oriented culture. And a lot of the things about the West, some of these countries, they have their problems. I'm not saying that China and Russia and Iran right. do not have problems, right. not saying that. But um, they also part of the from rooftops. They do that. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that's what I was saying. But I'm saying they get in trouble with the US government a lot because they, a don't, issue. they don't want Western culture. So Western right. culture spreading itself everywhere claims that their culture is tied with the idea of freedom and democracy. So with freedom and democracy also comes our gender confusion, also comes our pornography. But also what did comes George Washington say? What did the founding fathers say that when we lose our morals, we mm -hmm. lose our constitution? When we right. lose our, when the, the, the constitution was never, meant to be a document in and of itself back in the I, I i did a podcast once with an organization called the black robe regiment and mm -hmm. their whole thing is about churches used to lead the nation yeah. why aren't they now why aren't why aren't our um you know just the moral decline and how it affects us yeah. as a nation um, it's a, it's affecting our economy. We can look at this porn thing and just look at how it's affecting our economy. 70% yep. of pornography is watched during business hours. You cannot tell me that our companies are effective, right? And, and yeah. that, you know, most of my clients have recently lost a job and they're hit rock bottom. They lost mm -hmm. their family. They lost their job. And now they're going, we gotta re we gotta fix this. And that kind of goes to the point that I was making even domestically, where you have communities that have strong ties to the church. They often favor listening to their uh, religious morals over the government edicts. Uh -huh. And so, for example, the Orthodox Jewish community in New York City, they basically eschewed uh, lockdown mandates because to them, their God and their right to practice their religion as they saw fit super uh superseded? superseded i'm not might not be superseded um the government's right to tell them what to do and so for a government that's looking to control people strong religious morals and strong ties to a religious community are a threat to that power and so that gives you something that like you know when when these uh oppositions to government come down in the soviet union for example one of the first things the soviet the uh um communists did was destroy the church in russia because that would have been um, a conflict to their power. And so for the entire duration, the 90 year duration of the Soviet Union, it was it was grandmothers in private homes keeping the church alive. 
because the gov that was the first thing that the government destroyed was the church. And so, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. It's the degradation of the church. We no longer have those churches as community leaders. And as a result, we have this rise in amoralism that is detrimental to our bodies and detrimental to our children. It's all of this is connected. I could go on a, a rant, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to address a question. Barry asked, what's the difference between shame versus guilt? To put it as simply as mm. possible, guilt is that you did something. Shame is that you are something. So mm. shame is, guilt tells you you did the wrong thing. Shame tells you you are a bad person. So there's this, there, there's a, there, that why I say a distinction needs to be made is because just because I shoplifted once when I was 12 years old does not make me a thief forever. There is redemption, right. there is forgiveness, there are ways to get past that. But shame tells you that you are a bad person. It tells you that you are a serial masturbator. It tells you that you are a, you, that you are a sexual deviant. These things may in some ways be true, but that's not who you are. And re reasserting who you are and who you're meant to be is incredibly important. So when you do something and you make it your identity and someone tells you that it's your identity, that's what shame is. Shame is when you're a random person or your aunt or your mother or your father says you are dirty instead of saying you can be clean. Mm -hmm. I just want to make that distinction. And then he also said real quick, he said, Cam needs a chip for not uh, bringing up Sean Astin this month uh, to hell with Sean Astin. I hate him. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the things I wanted to um, ask you about, uh, well, I want to talk about TikTok. I'm on TikTok. Yeah. I use it a little bit here and there. I make a, a case. How do I have more followers on TikTok than I do on Twitter? where I do all the good stuff. All the good stuff's on Twitter. That's where I think. TikTok's where I just blow off. Maybe I should just stop <laughs> thinking. But when I first started using TikTok, it was actually Musical.ly back in the day. I signed up for Musical.ly, and it was like all underage girls belly dancing. And so I deleted the app. And then later on, I got on because people were talking about how great it was now. And it was all Underage Teenage girls girl belly dancing belly. on the app. And then I deleted it again. And <clears> someone <throat> said, hey, if you hold down the button and say not interested, it'll start getting rid of those and you can start going towards things that you want to see. Yeah. And for the most part, I see things I want to see now. But you were on TikTok and that's where I found you. That's where you, you had your lives. And at one point, one of your moderators like, silenced me for five minutes when i agreed with you i don't understand that but you were gaining a following on tiktok mm -hmm. and then you were gone from tiktok can you talk to me about one how you did on tiktok how you lost and how that's affected you since because i'm i'm curious about that evolution yep so over the course of not very long actually um seven eight months um on two different accounts, I amassed a total of 170,000 followers. Both accounts have been shut down now. Um, the no community gui guidelines were ever broken. I'm going to say that up front. Most of my videos were flagged for nudity, which I was never, nope, I don't swear. I don't do anything like that. Basically, what happened is 
I got a huge amount of harassment. Girls would come on. There was one stripper that had over a million followers and she just trashed my channel and had all of her followers flag every one of my videos. Every flag is a strike against you. One week, I did really well. This was, I had the goal of getting a million views on a video for six months and I did it. We had three mm -hmm. million views mm -hmm. that week talking out against abstinence um, or for abstinence and support of abstinence and whatever. Um, one of the videos, I wasn't even um, saying anything. I was actually just using one of TikTok's sounds and I was just lip syncing it, their sound. Anyway, uh, 3 million views. One day I log in, uh, um, I got 50,000 followers just that week alone. I log in one day and the account is scrubbed. My gifts, my financial account, my messages, all of my history, all of my data and my phone data was completely scrubbed. It just said null. There's a black screen of death that says null. And did they ever it was gone. contact you nope. or explain and there, why? There is, nope. And there's no getting it back from that point. Um, to me, that's crazy. Um, it's really sad and frustrating because obviously I'm speaking for positive things. I'm not, I was not attacking anyone, whatever. It was a pretty big issue. Um, but at the end of the day, the problem is TikTok and other social media channels they know that their app is addictive because it is sexually stimulating. They know this. They like this. They thrive on this. And anyone speaking out against addiction or sexuality is now a threat to their marketing campaign. Wow. And their goals. Um, so that is really yeah, upsetting. Cam, you're muted. The other day I thought of you because I was scrolling through TikTok and I somehow I got onto a side of TikTok I didn't want to be on, and it was a dude dancing, and like you could you could clearly see dude's junk through his his sweatpants or whatever gray sweatpants. Like, yeah, it's you could see it. Like, yeah. and I was like, and I remember thinking the point when of I saw gray that, sweatpants. And, it, and, 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 and when I saw it. I went, and yet Heather's not on here, and continued, and, and said, not interested, <laughs> right. and continued scrolling. Yep. Right. And I found that wild, that they would much rather you have an OnlyFans and say, hey, uh -huh. I have that other website where you can see all of my stuff, than they would have you say, I think that pornography is detrimental to your health and your mind. Yep, absolutely. Um, and all of the guys that I know, um, including the founder, I just found out this week, the founder of the big NoFap um, server on Reddit, right, channel. Um, they receive massive, massive amounts of hate. I've received death threats. I've received at least two legal notices trying to silence and prevent my work. Uh, it's hard. It's really frustrating. So a lot of times when people ask me, you know, oh, did you see about this study, how porn and masturbation, that uh, it's so good for you? I'm like, do you not realize that if pharmaceutical companies buy out herbal companies and chiropractors and, and pay to get rid of cancer research and pay to get rid of sugar research and pay to get rid of fat research and all this other stuff, don't you think that a multi-billion dollar industry can pay to get rid of and silence its competitors and, and get right. rid of people? Yeah. Happens it happens a lot. It does, and I've, I've seen this firsthand. Can Just look at Pfizer's bottom line over the last two years and tell me that that doesn't happen. Then look at Twitter, look at TikTok, 
look at Facebook and tell me they haven't silenced the dissent. Yeah. Um, I do have good news. We are working on, I, I have created two new ch TikTok channels. I can't release what those names are because my haters will find them again, but for the people, <laughs> we will have a private secure system for letting, letting friends know, um, uh, because I, I do, I have to get back out there. I have to continue, um, reaching. How did that affect your website views? Because I assume when you had a hundred and something thousand followers that a, a great majority of them would have clicked the link. How has it changed yeah. since? So we TikTok had about, we had a couple hundred people a week joining the support group. I had 10,000 views on the website, viewing the blog and the resources and downloading the free, free guidebook and, and things like that. Um, and then it dropped. I went into a, the whole month of the whole month of December, I was in depression. I'm coming out of it. I'm here. I'm doing my face again. I'm brushing my hair again. But it went from 10,000 one day to 40 the next. And wow. so... I hope you realize the reason that they're attacking you is because you're being effective. Mm -hmm. So if anything, and I'm sure that you do, I'm sure I'm speaking to the choir on this one, but they wouldn't attack you if you weren't making headway. And that's the way certain forces in this universe works, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's why, I was going to say this earlier, that's why it's called Fight the Beast. This is not just my fight. This is not, not just addicts. This is everybody's fight. We are fighting for America. We are fighting for our communities. We are fighting for our children and our families. Damn. And it's a fight. When We're I work, I listen to a playlist called Epic Orchestra. That <laughs> It is. And it's, you have to put on your, your gladiator uh, gear for this, for this battle. Cause it's intense. Yeah, absolutely. But it's so, it, it's so good that you're doing it. And it's so good that you're providing a voice as a woman who's doing it yeah. because there are a lot of men dealing eye. with the shame, right. Uh, dealing with the shame of it, who aren't going to admit to their other bros that they mm -hmm. think that this is a problem, but um, might find a woman more approachable. And it's just, yeah, I think that's what makes it so important that you're, you are doing this. And we get called to do certain work in this world. And uh, I, I personally have benefited just by the short amount of time that I'm talking to you. I've already altered some of my attitudes about this. And so, yeah, and that, that's incredible. That's, uh, you're, you're effective. That's why they're after you. That's what it is. Thank you. I could not have, I could not continue this without daily support. I cannot tell you how many days I was just crying in bed. Like I cannot do this again. And then somebody would send a donation or somebody would send a thank you letter saying, Hey, I'm three months clean. And I'm like, oh, I have to get up. I have to keep going. Yeah. Don't stop. Well, Don't stop. If if there's a way that we can support you through our show, just talk to us, let us know. And we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll be a part of that as well. Yeah. Um, let me, for let, having me here. This has been great. Another question I have about TikTok is I know even sarcastically people have, because it's gotta be sarcastic. No one wants to see this have <laughs> said that I should get an OnlyFans. Did you have that happen to you? Like at, at any point of this situation or when you, you said earlier that you had down moments, has anyone ever kind of attacked you in that way during the down moments? Has there been any of that? 
Yeah, so I didn't tell this part of the story. There's one other part of how I got started story. Um, it was my first year as a single mom the second time. I had three kids, and I really did not have my income game together. I had been married for a while. Um, yeah. I had three children at home, and just making an income was hard. So I was just barely getting by on child support, pulling money from savings from the divorce, and running out of money. Okay. And it was very hard. And I was a photographer. I'm a, a very talented professional photographer. I had done it for nine years and I had a lot of people come to me, especially in this community. I would go out, you know, go out dancing and whatever. And people would be like, Hey, do you do this? And I'd be like, no, I'm a photographer. And they're like, well, do you do that kind of photography? Like, can I pay for pictures of you? I had that request a lot. I'd have people say like, can we do a session? I'm looking at doing this and this kind of photo shoot. And I have to say no. And here, these people are offering big dollars, right? These yeah. people know that they either want me in front of the camera, behind the camera. They don't, they, whatever stuff that they want, the, Bourdois sessions and whatever. And I'm turning down a lot of money and this is affecting me emotionally. And I remember walking through and my ex, my ex was a ah, devil's advocate here. He was just always telling me, he's like, you know, you could be making more money on OnlyFans. You could be making more money on TikTok if you just like whatever. And I'm like, scumbag like no yeah. <laughs> right i left you because of this habit you had i'm not gonna give into being a part of that like dirty and i remember walking through my kitchen one day and it was even i had an aunt who was like well you're so good at aerial acrobatics you could be making so much money as a stripper and i'm like why is everyone saying this stop yeah. it's so hard i don't want that and i remember walking through the kitchen i was like starting to think maybe i can blur lines maybe i can like manipulate photos maybe i can get close to the edge but not okay. and then one day the thought popped into my head just the thought came in and said how dare you how could you ever think about doing something that would then ruin someone else's marriage ruin another woman's self-esteem get into the hands of a teenage or even a child boy that would cause soldier suicide and depression and rape and violence and all of these horrible things, sex trafficking that we see as a result of this industry. Mm -hmm. And it just affected me. Like in that moment, I just went, no, I would literally rather yeah. starve. I would literally rather starve and die here in my apartment than go into that. And it was about, it, it was about two years later that I then everything else fell into place and I started to fight the beast, but that stuck with me. So That's, I have that was the Holy Spirit for that. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thought that too when she was telling that story. Um, this is kind of ballsy, I guess, but have you ever considered starting an anti-porn OnlyFans account? Because OnlyFans has put it out there to people who are getting banned from YouTube and other video forums. Oh, you can come to OnlyFans and have a video channel here. It doesn't have to be porn. So have you ever considered starting an anti-porn channel on, you know, the beast itself? I did. I never posted anything. I created the framework and then I was like, all right, hold on a second. That would require me to be on the app. And if I get a yeah. follower, then my follower has to come back onto the app to hear from me. So oh, sure. no. okay. yeah. we're, we're focusing on getting all of my content on apps that are not triggering. So, so many of okay. my clients, the ones who are serious about recovery, they're uninstalling TikTok, they're uninstalling Twitter, they're uninstalling Instagram. And so yeah. we're working on getting all of the good content in a place like Discord or on the main website where they don't have to be on those apps. Right. And using so apps more for discovery. Like TikTok I, and Instagram I use for discovery. We bring people in and we say, get rid of social media and be 
a mad one, right? Like, come join our crazy club. <laughs> if you would, if you were to say um, which apps are not triggering, what what apps would you recommend to people who were looking to get rid of, say, like TikTok and Twitter? I hate social media. I never yeah. had, I never had Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter before starting this business. And let me tell you, I had a breakdown yesterday because I was like, I just want to disappear. Yeah. Um, yes. I was just gonna say. If you want, first off, I hate Instagram. I don't like using it all. But when it comes to Twitter, like if you want tips on how to make your Twitter feed actually be good, I'm your man. And so is Jessica. She's 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 learned well. She's a woman. It's possible to, because Twitter is your personal space, and yeah. if you utilize block and mute, you can have a great situation. Yeah. But if you're new to recovery, delete the app delete that take a, yeah take a break With, you don't need the dopamine trigger at that point right yeah. like for example i have um things compartmentalized so instagram i only use instagram for watercolor painting i only follow watercolor painters on there and i only post watercolor painting so when people talk about the things they run into on instagram that's foreign experience to me because my entire instagram experience is art and so there is a way to <laughs> well, you know something funny what? i made a joke in the last episode because someone had said to send me feet pics and I made a joke about it. And since then on Instagram, I'm getting feet pic re no! recommendations. No! And oh, I was no. like, it was a joke, Instagram. Yeah. I don't I don't want this. So, but those apps, what they do is they learn, um, uh -huh. they have really effective AI that plugs, basically plugs into your brain and finds out what's going to keep you scrolling. Uh -huh. And so they tend to be reflections of ourselves. So we're, when we're saying Facebook and Twitter, oh, they're so evil and they show us all this evil stuff. They're, they're purposefully finding what will smash that button. Uh -huh. And it's, you know, every bit like a drug it mimics the mental behavior of drug use in that yeah. it's giving you this little pop every time you scroll to the next thing. And um, somebody, I think it was a Joe Rogan interview, I'm not entirely sure, but somebody was talking about if you picked up someone else's phone and you looked at their Instagram feed or their Twitter feed, you would get bored because that AI hasn't learned how to trigger your brain, they're learned how to trigger the brain of the person who owns that phone. So keep in mind something, for people to keep in mind is that um, it is working on your mental aspects. There are like um, artificial intelligence uh, computers that are really good at figuring out what you will keep just to keep you scrolling and so that you never leave the app. And so, yeah, you have to so be you aware destroy of your life. Yeah, destroy your life. Yeah, <laughs> so nice of them. But think about yeah. it, you know, addictions, my son, he's seven. And he, my kids know all about what I do. And they're always listening and involved. And they, he was like, why do people come up with addictions? Like, why do they come up with this stuff? And I was like, it's money. Mm -hmm. yeah. People come mm -hmm. up with addictive substances, addictive um, methods, addictive tools yep. for money. And it goes everywhere. Face it's not just like, oh, this pleasure. It's also they get you addicted to instead of having health care and caring about your health, it's about the ease of drugs. Mm -hmm. It's about, mm -hmm. I mean, it goes in everything. That's, that's how the system at this yeah. moment works. It's finding that sweet spot of quick, easy, and hap either happy or... Um, 
happy indu inducing happiness or removing some kind of pain yeah. quickly rather mm -hmm. than health. And so like that is something I think that people need to pay attention to is mm -hmm. when when they're doing what they're doing whatever it is is this a um is this something that pushes for and helps you be healthy or is this something that makes you feel good because being healthy will make you feel good but if it's too quick be suspect yeah mm -hmm. it's hard but we are nearing the end of our show and so what i wanted to do is i'll ask you two questions but the first one is kind of the hallmark of our show because our show, we're called The Mad Ones, but we're a show of hope. We believe in hope. There's been a lot of stuff, especially over the last two years, that have brought people down and made them feel like they can't go on, etc. But what I want to know, is there something right now in your life? It could be personal, in the community level, or global that is giving you hope and helping you carry on that you could share with our audience as a little bit of motivation to keep yeah. going. Yeah. So I've been through some really, really hard stuff the last few months and I've had some very depressed days. And I mentioned this briefly before the biggest thing for me is right now in my life, you know, there's so many things, you know, faith and God and children and family, like there's good things, but this is the one that has consistently just, woken me up. And that is the thank you letters that we receive at Fight the Beast. To know that there are people who are getting clean, who come back and say, you know, I got a new job. I saved my marriage. I couldn't have done this without your help. That just, what better reward is there? And that, that gives me hope, not just in, in the fight that I'm dealing with every day, but also just in our world, that, that we can make a difference in the world and we can improve these yeah. things. And that those of us who feel very down, very unworthy and irredeemable, that there is redemption, that there is a chance 100%. for change, forgiveness exists. And we can not only be forgiven, but forgive ourselves and move into a new paradigm. People are doing and it every day, every day. And you just need the right tools and the right method. And anybody can have that success in that Um that hope freedom freedom yeah um i i, I said it was two questions but there's um and it, it, these could tie together uh but one one thing i forgot to ask earlier is you mentioned testosterone you miss mentioned physical changes when you give up pornography and self-stimulation um so let me ask my first question is what are the upsides of quitting pornography, of quitting mm -hmm. uh, masturbation or self-abuse as I forget who calls it that, but I think I, I find that so funny and kind of true. Um, and then the follow-up question was, um, what are the last things you'd like to tell the, the audience? Yeah, so I think, I think Mark Twain called it um, a form of self-abuse. It's one that I can think of. Um, so the benefits, man, all right. Run just off the top of my head real quick. Greater confidence, less guilt and shame, more energy is one of the biggest ones, less ADHD, more focus, more drive. You know, I had a, a man, he said, for 27 years, we've been married and I had never once 
until very, uh, he had about, been about four months clean. He said, never once until this week had real intimacy with my wife. I want mm -hmm. to love her. I want to serve her. I want to be her best friend. The wife yeah. was like practically in tears. You know, she's like, yes, this, this is real. This, I saw the change. He was, he was helping with the dishes and he was like, you know what? I went and did push-ups. I just wanted to do push-ups. <laughs> I wanted to feel like a man and wow. I wanted to go out and do yard work. Uh, and and I just think that's amazing. Um, the the effects are very real. Better relationships with God, your children, yourself, um, just a better life. Like it's yeah. just it takes you from this like forty percent and struggling in the closet to your true masculine self. And I think that's awesome. Uh, what was the second was, part of that? What, what would you like to leave our audiences with? Final thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think this has been an awesome discussion. Um, I think I, I will leave with that final thought that that recovery is real, that it's totally worth it. Um, I encourage people to try a 30 day challenge. Um, try to quit just for 30 days. You may or may not hit it the first few times, but it'll show you. It'll show you where this is affecting you in your life. Because a yeah. lot of people say, well, it's not it's not affecting me. Try to quit for 30 days. You'll see how it's affecting you. Yeah. And then um, and then push until you reach that goal because the benefits by 30 days are huge. And if you don't believe in the benefits today, quit for 30 days and you'll see the benefits very quickly. So nice. And let me tell you, this is, this is crass, but if you are a serial masturbator, if you're a serial porn user and you're married and you want to feel like a porn star, give it up for a few days and tell me <laughs> you don't feel like one. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, yeah. um, but I want to say thank you for coming on. Um, I was a stranger in your Instagram DMs and I asked you and you didn't hesitate to say yes. I appreciate the conversation that you've brought, the facts, the experience, and I couldn't be more grateful because this is a divisive topic and mm -hmm. it's one that will cause a lot of hate. You said you got death threats. I am more than fine to have death threats after this episode and i appreciate you coming on yeah thank i think you you're so doing much. you're doing good work out there keep going thank you guys. so in order to find heather and fight the beast i'm gonna run down run this down for you then i'll let her go and uh we will we'll move on to our stuff but if you want to follow her on instagram if you're using instagram right now because otherwise you're obviously not because you don't want to look at porn um you can follow <laughs> her on instagram at fight the beast org you can follow her on twitter she's not as active there i think she should be because twitter's my favorite place on the internet you can follow her at fight the beast underscore and if you want to join a class if you want to join the discord if you want to get involved if you want to help them or if you want to be a part of the program, you can go to fightthebeast.org and all of the information is there. Is there anything else you, you want me to tell them to find you or is that cover? That's the awesome. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to have anyone in the support group. Anyone come, come join the resources and yeah, that'd be awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. It was a good conversation. I think that I, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't want to call it a shtick because that sounds like condescending somehow. But the fact that you're a woman doing this, it stood out to me. It stood out. It, I know it stands out to other men. And I respect what you're doing and how you're doing it. And I wish you nothing but success. And if we can do anything to help, just let us know. 
Yeah, let us know. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. We will see you later. All right. The rest of you unwashed masses, you beautiful, beautiful monsters. Um, we got to tell you where to find us. Um, first off, like I said, this show is brought to you by the fans. Um, we, we've had some sponsors in the past. Right now, I want to focus on you. We want to focus on you because we make, number one, I'm not going to lie to you. The show's made for me and Jessica. It's made for things that we're interested in. And it's all we do that because if we're interested in it and we're engaged in it, you will be too. So it's ultimately right. for you. Um, but if you want to join us, if you want to help us continue this quest, because I think it's I think it's a good one. I feel like we're doing something good here. Uh, you can follow us on Patreon and join. That's patreon.com slash themadones. If you want to buy a mm -hmm. shirt, if you go to wearethemadones.com slash store, I just changed it from Amazon. I got tired of the print quality. I got tired of a, a couple of different things. And we moved to Etsy through through a different printer. I think things are going to look good. The mugs already look good. If that's any indication of how the shirts and tanks are going to look, you should go there. We are the mad slash store. Um, I'm on Twitter at Cam Harless. Jessica's on Twitter at Soup Canarchist. Uh, we're also, if you want to listen, you can listen on any podcatcher or you can go to our website, wearethemadones.com. If you're listening now, you can watch us live on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time at youtube.com slash themadones. We're also on Rockfin and Odyssey. Right. Also, we do a Bible study this Thursday. Tomorrow, not if you're listening tomorrow. Obviously, that's going to be today or if you listen three weeks from now. But we're, <laughs> we're, we have a Bible study. We're starting the first five chapters of Acts tomorrow we're going to discuss them you should join us it's a lot of fun and you learn something or you make me ask questions or answer questions i'd never considered before um beyond that we do have episodes coming up next week we're talking to ryan burgett about who owns the word of god that's not a question you've ever you, you may have ever asked yourself but we're going to talk about that after that we're supposed to have uh carolyn xavier uh who was a comedian who is now a baby Christian. And we want, we're going to talk to her about that change, oh. that shift. And uh, Jessica's gone through it. I was a baby when I became a Christian, so it's been my whole life. And I'd like to see kind of how that shift happened and what it looked like. Um, after that, we're going to have our friend Stephen Ignoramus on, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And finally, in February, mid-February, right before Valentine's Day, we're going to have our friend Brad Binkley on for a Yay, love fest. <laughs> but beyond that, that's all I have for you. Any final thoughts or words for, for the audience? Any any things that have happened since we recorded last in November that you'd like to share with them, yeah. Jessica? <laughs> no, I just, um, I really appreciated having the time off. It gave me an opportunity to um, get more involved with my church and um, actually ha had COVID for a while. So I'm glad that we were on a break, but I'm really excited to get back to it. And I hope you guys are going to join us in this new year because like we have entered a new season and a new phase of what we're doing with this thing. And I really think we're hitting our stride. So I'm excited for what we have coming up. Me too. And I'm, uh, I'm so excited. If you are a patron, especially if you're a patron, you get special, um, input in what, who and what our guests are and what they're about. I will take you far more seriously, but if you're not, I still want to hear what you want to hear about. I still want to know what points of interest, what people interest you. Uh, but beyond that, we're done. 
So we love you very much. Um, and as I like to end, you have a chance to be a light in the world. So go light it up. <laughs> <laughs>